Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. I I can't tell you how much it means to us at the mission that so many of you listen and that so many of you are donors and we get letters sometimes and cards. And so I'm very much appreciative. And as usual, we want to try to be an encouragement because in today's world, when we will look around and we see all the corruption there is, we see all those depressing things that can come up. We sometimes think that in in our little world, uh, that it's it's irretrievable. Well, I don't know what the political landscape looks like. I don't know what tomorrow holds for us, but this I do know 100%, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior over those who will come to him, confess, repent, and, and, and bow their knees before the Lord of glory. And he stands ready for those that he has called. And when we are called, we are secure. We can never be snatched out of his hands. And no matter what the world might throw at us, whether it's poverty, jail, beatings, or whatever, and those are, of course, those worst-case scenarios, that we can be secure in the fact that the Lord loves us, that he is never going to leave us, he is never going to forsake us. And so in our humanness, it sometimes seems like the 50, 60, 70, 80, or 90 years that we are on this planet that it seems like eternity, but it is not. And from here, we walk into the arms of Jesus Christ. And and you know what, guys? Here's the bottom line. We were just talking a little bit about it before we went on air, that, you know, we can't change the world around us, but certainly God can change the heart that's within each of us. And so I have a special guest with me today, He works with me down at the Union Gospel Mission. He is the very first. His name is Eric Rios, and uh, he's probably got some wonderful things to tell us, But or I have to fire him. Uh, No, I'm kidding. He he is our very first aftercare specialist, and we really didn't know what that entirely looked like when we hired him. And here's the kicker for him. He didn't know what it entirely looked like either, and he has— morphed it and changed it and and molded it as he went along as he saw the needs of the guys. And so I, I tell people now that, yes, he's the aftercare specialist, but he takes on a lot of the role as as chaplain in a way, too, because he deals with these guys not just in the last three months, but they come to him. And he is also our resident exercise guru who goes out he, uh, we're going to talk, and I'm going to let him tell you about that. But he has uh, been a physical fitness expert for quite a while. He had started his own business doing physical fitness, coming to places on site, and that's that's where we first got to know Eric. And so Eric goes to Elk Grove Bible Church, and uh, so I would like to introduce him to you right now. So Eric, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Did you get everybody? I think so. Okay. So so tell me, uh, 
I understand what you do, but I'm sure the people don't know what aftercare specialist means. Right. So what, what, first of all, you were on the show once before. Correct. And so I'd like to talk at today a little bit about how your perspective has changed. Sure, sure. But why don't you tell them what aftercare looks like when you're dealing with broken folks? Yeah, so uh, I get that question a lot. I get that question from uh, people that I know. They know that I work at the Union Gospel Mission. And then obviously the next question is, well, what do you do there? And uh, I can give a title, uh, aftercare yeah. specialist. And then, uh, then the next question is, well, what is that? What does that mean? Amen. And so it really depends on how much time I have with someone. If I've got 10 seconds with them, um, the simple answer that I, I like to give is uh, I'm kind of like a social worker, but with my Bible open. Yeah, and, uh, a spiritual social work. Right, right, right. That's where the, the Bible open uh, plays a huge role in what we do, Amen. what I do uh, at the Union Gospel Mission. If I've got a little bit more time with someone or if they're interested to know more, you know, uh, generally go through some of the, the, the key components to what I want to walk men through. Amen. And Amen. so um, I work with men that are on our nine-month uh, drug and alcohol recovery program. And uh, guys are coming from various uh, lifestyles, different walks of life. Um, you know, we get guys that get dropped off by a, a parole officer, mm -hmm. or maybe their pastor, mm -hmm. or maybe their mama, or wife, or their wife, right? Um, yeah, ideally, it would be somebody that loved them enough that they would want to see them cared for the way we care for men. Um, and some guys just, uh, it's word of mouth, right? They, they hear that we're doing something or, or maybe they've come to chapel in the evening and they're homeless and they, they hear the word of God preached. Mm -hmm. And then they see uh, other men that are there that are serving and um, enjoying the chapel service. And they say, well, what are you doing here? They got a badge around their neck and it says Union Gospel mm -hmm. Mission. And, and they invite them in to see what, what we're doing there. Um, obviously, uh, if you're if you're on the street, there's there's a lot of different things that have probably gotten you in the position that you're in. Mm -hmm. But um, what I think what we can all say to be true is that there's a lot of life dominating sin that uh, that capture uh, people's hearts. And so, um, yeah, we we get them on on our program and start walking through the process of um, rest restoration. Right. Yeah, And so that, that takes the form of a lot of different ways. And what we like to see is we like to see hearts changed and then lives changed. Amen. You know, let me ask you, you, you said that there were life-dominating sins that, mm -hmm. that perplex them. And we certainly, I mean, I can see driving down the street, we're looking at a homeless guy, we're looking at a drunk guy stumbling around the street, or we know somebody in the neighborhood that— has got all these horrible things going on, and mm -hmm. it's easy mm -hmm. for us to say, oh, that's not me. But right. even on those people that go to work every day that are clean and, and sober and wind up going to church on Sunday, there can be some pretty deep life-dominating sins. Absolutely. And some of our guys were those guys, right? Right, right. Yeah, I was, I was teaching a class yesterday with our guys, and uh, the, the topic of anger came up. Mm -hmm. And and I said, well, you know, anger takes a lot of different shapes. And they kind of looked at me funny and like, well, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And say, well, we can take two guys 
and different scenarios. And one guy goes and um, is violent towards his wife and is maybe punching her or slapping slapping her around in the home out of anger. Mm-hmm. And I think the world would say, we would say, that's wrong. Oh, yeah. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Right? The, the police are involved. There, There's a lot going on in that scenario. It's obvious. Yeah, it's yeah. very obvious. Yep. And then there's another scenario where a man can be led in his anger to not speak to his wife for three days in their home. Yep, and that's brutalization as well. Right, right. And so at the root, it's both anger. Mm-hmm. But it looks dramatically different. And we wouldn't even be able to tell for the other scenario of, of a man who is not speaking to his wife for three days. We couldn't tell what, what's going on at all, right? We would look at that and say, well, they're, they're just really quiet, I guess. But, but rooted in <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. is that I'm, I'm cutting you off, wife, and I'm no longer speaking to you because I'm not getting my way. I'm maybe. punishing you. Right, and what does the Bible say? The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And there's right. a reason for that principle. Right. And uh, we might do it, but that is a classic example, which mm-hmm. you just pointed out, of, of, and it works both ways. Uh, a woman can do the same thing to her husband. Right. And it is a form of abuse that is silent. Right, right. Yeah, and that's so. one of the things that um, I really grabbed onto when it, once I started spending some more time at the Union Gospel Mission to realize, um, because I, I didn't come from that lifestyle. I've never been on the street like that. Well, your mom and, and dad are still together. My <laughs> mom and dad are still together, right. Um, but seeing it firsthand and, and, and understanding, there's not a whole lot that actually separates my sin from these guys' sin. Exactly. I mean, the consequence that they're facing today is different from the consequences that I've faced in my life. Yep. But at the heart level, pride will do this in a man. Anger will do this in a man. Covetousness, lust, fill in the blank, right? We, we, can, we can gravitate towards our flavors of how we want to pursue right. that. Our own particular private right. little thing. Right, right, mm-hmm. But But um, at the heart level, there's not much difference. Yeah, and you know... Uh, I was blessed by God to be married for 47 years, and Mm -hmm. we have three children that are now grown, and and, uh, I think nothing warms my heart more than seeing uh, young families together, Right, and uh, that includes yours. Uh, (laughs) Even though you're a young family, pretty soon your son's going to be taller than you. He almost is. Uh, He is very close to being taller than you, (laughs) Uh, but to your point, uh, we— seek out and we like to look at everybody else's sin as being something that is terrible Mm. and then try to excuse the sin that's in our own life. Right, right. And if we do that, we open the door to destruction, really. And uh, so I I know there's a kind of a cultish way of looking at at, uh, Christianity as, and they call it sinless perfection. Mm-hmm. And uh, these people believe that you can attain in this lifetime sinless perfection. Well, I'd love to know how they did that because I have never been able to do that. Uh, I'm not even close. Right, right. We're delusional if we think we can get there. 
Yep. And we actually minimize the work of the cross and the gospel when we when we think that way, right? We we want to minimize our sin. That's right. We want to defend it in a certain way. We want to shift the blame to something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that is uh, not why our Lord died for us. You know, when I've counseled with men and women uh, who are having trouble with their marriage, I've always told them that you know, first of all, they will start off with what she did. Mm-hmm. She did this. She made me do this. And the answer to that is that's incorrect. Her sin is her sin. Your sin is your sin. Mm-hmm. And nobody makes you do anything. I just had that discussion with one of our, our guys earlier today that, right. that we have to realize and we have to own uh, our own sin. And he was, he had uh, showed me a, a little, uh, not scripture, I've been, I've been reading the Bible too long, <laughs> Uh, you had given him a book by oh, Jay Adams. Oh, right, right, yep. And in it, you know, it talked about uh, the incorrect, the fraudulent, the you know, and he, he wasn't sure what all that meant. And I said, well, in today's world, we hear a lot of voices, and a lot of those voices are incorrect. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are minimizing our sin, and even from pulpits in our nation, we get the minimization of what our sinful behavior is. And so I told him, I said, you have to understand that no matter what you're going through, that you're responsible for the sin that you did. Were you tempted to drugs, tempted to alcohol, tempted to illicit sex, or whatever the case might be? Right. You're tempted, but you fall because you you fell, and you're responsible for it. Right, right. I think, and I'm, I know you do as well, that the first thing that we need to do is own our sin. We need to own what we've done. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I tell some of our guys that uh, they want to give the devil too much credit. They're talking about their sin. I was like, well, the, the devil, devil made, made me, me do, do it. it. The <laughs> devil made me do it. It's like, no, actually, your flesh made you do it. Exactly. And you did it because you liked it. Yeah. And then they look at me just bewildered, wide-eyed, like, uh, you're right. And so, like, let's the the devil has some stuff to deal with this the, the world systems and the things that are happening in, in in what we see on television and just uh, where our culture has gone. Absolutely, but in our hearts, um, the the devil is not pressing us to do anything. Yeah, it's I our mean, flesh he, that we often have to battle with, and that's exactly correct. It is. You know, I read a, a daily devotional by Paul David Tripp, and he often uh, says that on those times when when he does things he ought not do, it's because the Lord that he claims to love, he he wants to he wants to circumvent him. I just don't want to be, I don't want to do this right now. Right, right. And so temptation is a funny thing. It you know we all have temptation. Jesus had temptation. Mm-hmm. He was tempted in every way that we are but without sin, right? Amen, yep. And so the first thing is you can't change the other person, right? In Mm -hmm. marriage counseling, you know that. Mm -hmm. You can't change the other person. You can only go to the Lord and have the Lord change your heart towards those circumstances, correct? Well, in, in, and, you know, we've been struggling with the words recovery and, you know, because when we think of recovery, we think of, you know, we've got this upright citizen, and he fell, and now we want to recover him to that position before. That is typical insurance language. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. However, it's not reality in some of these guys' cases, is it? Or most of them. Correct. Correct. And so what we're trying to do is is give them uh, not just reformation, and I'm not talking about in, in uh, not a theological the sense. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm talking about we want— we want them to be totally and completely changed, and the only way for them to be totally and completely changed is from the inside out, and that can only happen how? Through the gospel. Amen. Yep. The Holy Spirit is the only one capable of changing those stone-cold hearts we have right? and taking them out and giving them a beating heart of flesh. And by flesh, I'm also not talking about sin. I'm talking about actual mm-hmm. flesh. Amen. Because that's what the Bible says. Amen. And so one of the keys to those things is caring, though, right? Absolutely. If these men ever get the idea you don't care about them, what are your chances of working with them? It's a, a long process to recover from that, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say that uh, guys that have a lot of uh, prison background or guys from the street, they're very, very perceptive. Yep. They'll, they'll pick up on that real quick if, if they— uh, sense any disingenuousness, um, it'll be it'll be a hard road, and so I've learned that. Uh, yeah, so I, I really enjoy the proximity that I get with our guys that are on the program, as well as our graduates. So maybe kind of going back a little bit about what I actually do there uh, at the mission. Um, I work with our graduates that are finishing up a program, and uh, depending on where they're at along the way, I uh, start helping them see what is going to be. Uh, a great launching point for them mm. for their future success. Mm. Amen. And number one for me, where, where I always want to go is to continue basic discipleship and care. Um, these guys have either had some experience in the faith and they've had a fall or uh, which we see probably more, more so is that they had no concept of who Christ was prior to coming on to the mission, to the program. Yeah. And now they are babes in Christ. Amen. And so they might have some type of a work experience or a relational experience, but they don't know how to do it the Lord's way. No, and to your point, they may have been involved with some church here or there. They might have even been involved in a good church, mm-hmm. but had completely failed to hear what the message is. And you said something interesting. You said discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and it is vital uh, for everybody to have discipleship in a good, healthy, well-balanced, Bible-believing church, right? Yes. And so if we clean them up, we don't do it, God does, but, you know, I hate that word clean and sober, mm-hmm. because you might be sober, but you, you're not clean unless you've come to Christ, and he's doing that work. Right. And so— Churches, you go to Elk Grove Bible Church. Correct. And you guys believe in discipleship. Absolutely. And so that's what we're looking for. Not necessarily that these guys go to Elk Grove Bible or they go to IBC or they go to one of these other churches Mm. that comes Mm -hmm. down. But we want to make sure the churches that they get involved with are also on that same wavelength of discipleship, correct? Right, right. Because what happens if they don't stay connected to a good church? Well, sometimes they try to make the mission their church. Yeah, which and, is not a good idea. And and that's something that I steer them away from mm-hmm. because uh, we don't see rescue missions in the Bible. 
No. We see churches in the Bible. No. They and, were all rescue missions. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Technically speaking, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so there are uh, plenty of churches that are doing great work yep. in our in our uh, community. Yep. And so we have great relationships with a lot of good churches here in the area, and uh, we try to make that their launching point, make that their priority, set up a good foundation at your local church, yep. make that your everything, and then let everything flow from that. A church, a local church, Obviously, we are all one in Christ Jesus, even though we may be of different uh, churches in the area. Right. We are of the church universal. Yes. However, having said that, a lot of guys want to take that church universal and just kind of go wherever they want to go this Sunday. And that is not a biblical model of a church, is it? It's not, and I think the desire there is— to stay private. No accountability. You can hide in the church universal. Mm-hmm. There's no accountability. Right. Right. There's there's a lot of, and we know that there's nothing good that comes from a very, very private lifestyle. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so when they, when they, uh, when they say that, well, I like to go to different churches. Mm-hmm. I like to, really, all I hear is I want to hide out in the back. Right. And and what they're still doing is they're still putting themselves in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was actually having this conversation with a guy the other day and I said, don't treat your your walk with the Lord and your commitment to the local church like hometown buffet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I go to this church because they really rock it on a Sunday morning with their worship. Uh, I go right. to this church because they have a men's small group. I go to this church over here because they have a singles group and I'm really looking for, you know, my... Uh, a date right now. It's like, no, no, no. See, what you're doing is is you're actually not putting yourself under the submission That's of right. the local church. You still have the authority in that game. It's kind of that Burger King mentality, I can get it my way. Right, right. And uh, I mean, there are certain times you come together. I, I have uh, for years, and we haven't done it lately, but I want to, uh, I'm looking forward to starting again when we have these fraternals over at Robert's mm-hmm. Church, mm-hmm. which is IBC. And that is different. That is a bunch of pastors and elders and deacons and stuff get together, and we are studying something, and we have one speaker. That is not what uh, Eric is talking about. It's not that you can't go and visit some other church. But what he's talking about and what I'm talking about is we need to get into a church and become uh, and have that be our church family. Mm Mm-hmm. And family is much closer than, hey, I'm just going to go visit everybody else's family, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we want we want these guys to know what the fullness of being immersed in a church and not just being a, uh, coming in on a Sunday and sitting in a pew. You know, I mean, the old adage applies that 20% of the people do 80% mm-hmm. of the work. Right. We only have one minute. Is there only anything you would like to say to the folks? And then I'd like you to stay over for one more show. Okay, yeah. I, th- I think uh, overall, um, if I can say one thing in a minute, it would be that we need you. You Amen. know, we, we need our, our listeners who are members of good churches yes. to see the need for caring for the lost, mm-hmm. caring for those that are broken. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you get a call from the mission— or if, if somebody shows up one day at your church, um, maybe looking a little bit different from the congregation, 
welcome them in as Christ has welcomed you. And I agree with that. And as always, my dearest friends, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.